Good afternoon. I am your host, Sean Ramkunis, and welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. Here is a musical quote for today. Nothing is out of question for me. I'm always thinking about creating. My future starts when I wake up in the morning and see the light. Then, I'm grateful. Miles Davis. And I think that's a great segue into introducing my guest for today. My guest today is someone who I've known for four years. He is always working. He is always finding new recordings and new artists, and he is ultimately passionate about making great music. Dan Yap is a trumpet and keyboard player from Stowe, Massachusetts. He graduated from Ithaca College with a Jazz Studies degree in May 2020, and has a diverse array of musical interests. In the past few years, he's been involved with many recording projects, on-campus ensembles, bands such as Butter, Quail, and Fall Creek Brass Band, solo and duo projects, original composition, piano accompanying, and scoring student films in addition to giving three recitals with as many collaborators in his time as an IC student. He recently released a single, Someday, co-composed with collaborator Grace Associon, which was self-produced and can now be found on Bandcamp and will be on all streaming platforms and services in the near future. He now lives in Ithaca, New York, and plans to take off a year of school and attend a film scoring master's program in the fall of 2021. Hey Dan, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you, Sean? Good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, I've had an old jazzer on the show about two days ago, and now I have a new jazzer on the show, and I feel happy about that. Um, how are you doing in Ithaca during the, uh, the quarantine right now? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I've had a, a lot of time to shed, uh, a lot of time to, uh, you know, just work on projects that I'm into without the pressure of the schoolwork and gigs and everything. I, I really nice. miss performing live, but it is nice to have that like time for myself. How are you staying sane right now? during the quarantine um well uh i'm working i got a got a nice uh entry-level tech support job oh, uh, nice. so that's keeping me busy making me money um, okay and then i'm uh i'm sure you saw me and grace asuncion are doing um yeah uh a collaboration where we put out that one tune we're hoping to put out uh a couple more put out a record oh cool um which is cool because it's um I've, I've been kind of wanting to get into production for a while, and I'm definitely no expert, but this is, like, helping me uh, teach myself about that. Okay. And I, I promise we'll get back to that, um, because I do want to ask you about that. Um, what is something you missed that the virus has taken away? Definitely um, just, like, performing live. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if... I, I don't know when that will be possible again, um, yeah, you know when when we'll be able to pack two hundred people into a bar for a live show? <laughs> Probably not for a very long time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I like to mention that I also sort of missed the small interactions 
that it would have to people at school. I think yeah. bumping into you and you being like, hey, Mygo, hey. Um, <laughs> and just seeing other people, I think that sort of made my day. Um, I don't feel like I get to do that that much anymore. Um, but it's nice to always yeah, see... A... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you can go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I ran, ran into uh, a few people on campus. The oh, okay. I uh, stayed, stayed, stayed uh, kept my distance, but um, yeah, I, for, I forgot how much energy I get from seeing other people on a daily basis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Made me feel a lot better. So something I want to mention to you is that we have been in the same, not the same band, but we've played together for four straight years, which I think is kind of yeah. amazing. I mean, like, there's no, like, lottery to the way we, you know, get placed into ensembles, but... Um, when I found out that you were playing in Mike's band my senior year, but your so- were your sophomore year, I was like, there's no one, there is no one better than I think someone I think should be at this point in charge of that, uh, in leadership. Um, oh, thank you. What was it like to be in Mike's band at that point in time as a sophomore? Um, it was a little intimidating for sure. I was in a section of people that were older than me, um, but honestly, Michael Stern really helped me kind of feel comfortable in that role because um, there was a point in time where he was the section leader, but I was the lead trumpet player, Yeah, which is kind of an interesting <laughs> thing because the lead trumpet player like sets the style and articulations and, and everything. Um, but And generally, that person is also the section leader. Yeah. Um, but I think me and, me and him had a really great relationship during that time, and he helped me feel comfortable and kind of transition into um, being a section leader. And, you know, even it wasn't until this year that I felt entirely comfortable being a section leader. Like, I was still kind of figuring it out right, last right. year and everything. Okay. So where did uh, young Dan first find music? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was taking... Um, I took guitar lessons and piano lessons... Hmm. when I was like three or four like um, and I was doing like a music like a kids group music program and also taking like private lessons um, I can't play guitar at all <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, I would love to pick it up at some right. point but I really don't remember any of that I don't remember any of my early piano lessons either um, hmm. keyboards are something that I just that that's mostly self-taught um, right. in, since I've been in college but I think that kind of helped me like early on get my mind like oriented in a musical direction um and then when i was in fourth grade and we had to pick our instruments i picked trumpet and they told me i couldn't play trumpet because it was full there were too many trumpet players um so i picked the alto sax Hmm. i played it for a few months and i stopped uh until sixth grade i walked into band class and the band director was like what do you play and i was like i don't play anything can you teach me how to play the trumpet (laughs) and he was like he was like, yeah, sure, and he gave me, like, two lessons and a fingering chart and just kind of set me on my way. Hmm. Um, I started taking private trumpet lessons, like, six or seven months after that, I think. Yeah. yeah. So who inspired you to pick up the trumpet? Was it just you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any, like, nobody in my family is a musician. Um, I just, for whatever reason, was um, excited by the trumpet and wanted to play it and I think being told no you can't play the trumpet made me want to play it more Mm. Um, (laughs) so yeah that's that's how I got started on on that instrument 
So as you were growing up in Stowe, what was the musical environment like for you there? Um, it was pretty terrible, honestly. <laughs> it's a very small, very small town um, with barely any music, musical environment. Um, I was lucky to have a very, to have very good band directors all through mm. um, middle and high school. That that was really helpful because um, they were all they all really cared. They were all into um, like jazz, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got started with that. My band director in middle school encouraged me to try out for a jazz band, and I was terrible, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, and by by the time I got to high school, like all I wanted to play was jazz. Mm. But I kept I kept um, I played in like the concert band and the marching band and everything through uh, junior year of high school. Well, we didn't have a marching band, but like a, a, a pep band, right? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. When did you decide that this was something that you wanted to pursue? I'd say like um, sophomore or junior year of high school, probably. That was when I started to really seriously think about it. Um, yeah, I still, I, I didn't really have a good idea at that point of what exactly I wanted to do. Right. Um, and I definitely had a very different idea of the music that I was into. Like, you know, at that point it was all like, I'm sure, I'm sure you also had the, Maynard Ferguson phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was all that kind of stuff. Mm, um, so yeah. it took me, you know, I, I didn't really get into like the music I'm into now until like freshman year of college. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Were there any experiences you had in high school that led you up to chase your BM in jazz? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, in high school, I did the, um, I was in the jazz ensemble in high school. Right, right. I did the, um, um, like the, all, um, I, I don't know what your version of it, but we had like district jazz ensembles. Right, um, right, yeah. I never, I never did Allstate. I actually, like, I really don't, I don't consider myself to have been a very good trumpet player or jazz musician until like, probably like a year or so into my college mm. <laughs> career. You know, I, I didn't really know, like, what what was up. I just... And, I mean, I had great teachers, but um, I didn't really, like, understand a lot about the music and, like, the history of the music and what was uh, the best way for me to, like, progress. Right, yeah. In my skill level, you know? And did you progress more than ever? I mean, you did three recitals... You did. You played in more. I, I I can't I can't say how many bands you were in because I basically can't count how many bands you were in at IC. Um, what and so in twenty to thirty years, and someone writes a plaque about you at Ithaca College. What would you want to have as sort of like your like definition of like who you were at Ithaca College? Um. Man, I'm not sure. You know, I think, I think, um, I, I like to think that I inspired a lot of people to listen to different types of music and to like really, um, and especially in the jazz ensemble, you know, and, and to really have the respect for the music mm. that they might have for their orchestral rep or 
with their solo rep or something. Right. Um, yeah. And you did for um, me. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I, I don't know. I, I definitely like. I'm not. I'm not going to say I was like a teacher or anything, but I think I just love to talk about music, and I love to talk about what I'm currently into. Right. Um, and I think I've had a lot of people like say like, "Oh yeah, like you got me into this artist or this artist or like." you got me really listening to this or something and and that uh makes me feel good to hear i think <laughs> right yeah and i i can say that you really got me into braxton cook oh yeah yeah <laughs> which was a mutual artist that we got to work with this year um yeah, that was awesome and th- that was incredible and i i promise i will ask you more about that later on um <laughs> so this is a testament to you you work incredibly hard throughout the your IC career and you've done so many things at IC and I was always talking about you I said to my friends like how does he have time to do anything else but play things like how how are you able to balance your life of music and your just your life you know it, it's funny because I always like throughout my time here I've always had like I've always had kind of like a worry that I like wasn't doing enough enough <laughs> You know, like, if I if I had an hour, if, if I had, like, a couple hours of downtime on a weekend, I'd be like, man, like, what am I doing? Like, these people are out here doing, like, so much more. Um, and I think this year I really kind of, like, realized that that was not a very good mindset mm. to be in. Right. Um, and I realized that I was obviously getting, like, burnt out a little bit. Um, even giving myself free time, because I think I, I just, like, Woman, I, I would give myself free time to not be like playing or practicing or rehearsing or mm. whatever. Um, right. But I wouldn't really be like, I wouldn't stop thinking about music. Mm. You know, I'd always be like, like singing through stuff in my head or I'd be like tapping my foot or whatever. Mm. And I've kind of had to like, once I realized that and kind of made myself like, and I think that's a helpful thing sometimes, but it also kind of limited my creativity in a way because I was expending all this creative energy like thinking about music and not playing it and so once I kind of made myself like stop doing that yeah um and kind of limited my time with music to the time that I was actually playing or writing or whatever it was um that made me feel a lot better and I was a lot less stressed Hmm. about the playing I had to do and I felt like I was playing a lot better because um, I had all this like energy for music, you know. Since I wasn't letting myself think about it all the time, yeah, I suddenly had all this like energy and drive to put into whatever I was playing. Right. And something that's kind of funny I wanted to mention to you was um, after a concert, um, my girlfriend she comes up to me and she says, "Do you know that when Dan plays a really high note, he picks up one of his one of his like one of his legs and he's on like one leg by himself?" And I always I totally wondered about that. that. I I I I I was so curious. Like, is there some sort of like gravity balance you feel like when you have to play a high note that you have to have only one leg on the ground? <laughs> I have no idea. I realized like about a year ago or so that I I do that a lot. And I especially do it when there's a chair behind me. Like, I'll put my foot on the chair. <laughs> and I really don't... I, I have no idea where that comes from. Right. Um, I, I don't think it has any actual, like, physical effect on my playing. But right. I... <laughs> I... Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's interesting. I do. Um, <laughs> so, you were able to play with so many different bands at 
Ithaca College and off campus, of course, with your Fall Creek brass band work. Um, did your lips ever turn to mush at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had some really bad, some 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 really bad times. I've had a lot of times where I'll like wake up the next day after a gig, and I'll be like, "Oh, that that wasn't <laughs> way too hard." Um, you know, and and that that's what happens in a lot of um. That that's almost never happened to me as a result of like jazz ensemble. Yeah. Or anything, but um, especially the brass band work. Um, a lot of the times I'd play with butter. Um, you know, just like all that stuff where you're mic'd up, but like your mic is never turned up loud enough on stage, and you're just like constantly pushing harder to hear yourself, and then everyone else is playing so loud that even if it is turned up loud enough, you can't hear it by the end of the set. Um, and I was really bad about wearing earplugs on stage. Mm. Um, I, I was really good about wearing them in the crowd. But I just like felt I felt like I couldn't hear myself on stage, and maybe that was a dumb thing to do. But right, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so it, it just turned into me like blasting as loud as I could and not realizing it, either because I was so excited or because I was trying to hear myself. And um, I never, thank God, ended up really injuring myself, um, except for actually, you know what? When we played Wonderful Town sophomore year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had to take like I had to take like four or five days off the horn after that. Um, mm. Like I remember like taking Advil on like the two show days and like just <laughs> <laughs> and just knowing that I would like feel it the next day, but just needing to get through the show. Yeah, uh, that was that was rough. But and... yeah, I I that's one of the reasons I picked up keyboard too because trumpet right. is just so taxing. Right, the keyboard gave me a way to like practice and be creative without being at the horn. Right. I wanted to mention, too, that during your run of uh, Wonderful Town, you always had this large jug of water that I've always been amazed, like, at the end of each act, I would notice that, like, the whole liter of the water would be gone, and then I'd be like, oh, Dan's on his, on his way to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it was more, it was like a three-quarter gallon jug or something. Mm, wow. But I, you know, I would never be able to finish that if i weren't playing mm. but um playing just like dries me out so much right. i and if i don't drink water i actually get tired mm. um more easily because i'm not like hydrating and my lips get dry and everything right right um as you mentioned before you did this work with um grace uh Association, uh where you got to do someday uh and it's now going to be uh found on bandcamp and eventually on other streaming platforms in the near future what did you enjoy about working with her? Um, working with Grace is so cool. So, like, you know, we've known each other for a while. Um, yeah. And just recently, I I had watched some of her stuff, and she has, like, just a ridiculous voice. Um, mm. And it's just really, really talented. And so I was like, hey, do you want to do one of those, like, quarantine collaboration videos I've been doing? Um, and she was like, yeah, sure. And, you know, it kind of sat for a while. Um when we were trying to come up with ideas and I was like, Hey, what if we do like a, what if we like co-write a track, you know? And I was like, here's this melody and these changes I came up with. Do you think you could do something with this? Cause I, I, one of the things that I've always wished I could do is sing well, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, cause I love, vo I love vocal music. Like most okay. of the music I listen to is vocal music. And, um, 
I just really wish that I could do it. And so I've always had to like, I say had to, it's, it's been a great experience to work with people who are really great singers. Um, Hmm. but so I've always had to like outsource that, that part of my comp, my composition. Right. Uh, and so I just sent her this melody and she sent me back this like really beautiful song. Um, like these really beautiful lyrics and she changed up some of the, some of the changes and it was like way better than what I came up with. And so I was like, okay, cool. Um, let's just put this together. And then I recorded that like trumpet interlude. Um, and we just put it out like really fast. Like the time we recorded it like a week and a half before we released it. Wow. Um, and you know, I got to, I got to test out my, production skills and everything <laughs> and i'm sure they'll get better as we do more uh, more tunes we're working on a couple more right now we have like three in the works um okay with kind of that same process you know because i um melodies have always been like my thing and i feel like i write pretty catchy melodies but i just never i'm terrible at lyrics and i can't sing so right. i never had anywhere to like put them um and so we, we work very well together because I, you know, I write the melodies and we both have opinions about uh, the harmonies. And then, like, I do the trumpet production and key stuff and she does the vocals and whatever auxiliary stuff. Like, she's doing some percussion for some of these tunes. So um, is an album... So it's really great. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, we're, ho- we're hoping to do a, an EP at least, if not a full record. Hmm. Um, we're not in any rush to <laughs> get it done. Um and yeah and um you know it's just been a really great um experience and i hope we're gonna continue to work together for a while even after this project we're working on this one right and you can check that on on Bandcamp, and the song is called someday um it may be a good idea now to look at the world and see what it's dealing with um and you're going to be taking off a year which i read off in your bio um which seems smart uh what do you hope to achieve with the time that you have that's that's going to be off not doing school um honestly my my primary goal is just to save some money um and be like self-sufficient um i also you know i just want to be you know at the end of at the end of this year or at least when i was thinking about doing grad schools but this coming fall right i just didn't i didn't feel like i was like i didn't feel like i was ready um i felt like i wouldn't get as much you know i could get i feel like i could get into a grad school i just feel like i would not get as much out of it um as i would if i waited until i was just um just like a better player you know a better composer um i I don't by any means feel like i'm bad at either of those things right now but just um i want a little bit more experience and practice under my belt okay where did you get the inspiration for film scoring for your masters um (laughs) that that's actually funny so it started the first one i did was this film for this guy named Jake in Park in the Park School um, when I was a sophomore and I was living with um, you know Zane Carnes right yeah yeah I was living with him um, and he was like he messaged me on Facebook and I guess he had heard my name somewhere and he was like hey do you want to do the music for this film and I was like I've never done it before but sure um, and 
so I went to Zane and I was like hey do you just want to like go into like a room in Waylon and just like record something for this dude like just improvise it and he was like sure and so I played piano he played bass and uh, we just like put the film up on the projector in the jazz room and like it took us like three takes or something we just improvised a score to it and it turned out great you know and then um i did a couple more as a junior and this year um i was supposed to do two senior thesis films i only ended up doing one because of the virus um, right. but so in in the fall um i did uh i did this film called wake for uh, my friend pia um and i <laughs> so it, it was interesting because i had never done like a it was definitely like a thriller kind of short film it was like 15 minutes um it was the longest project i had worked on and um i had just kind of gotten really into using ableton and i was like i'm going to do the score entirely on a synth mm. um and so I, I took my synth. I have the Behringer DeepMind 12. It's like a, it, you know, it's not the best synth ever, but it's it's definitely workable. Um, and so I just set that up, and I, I put on the film, and I kind of like, I watched it through a couple times to get the gist, and then I uh, started just adding stuff. Um, and I really just, I ended up with this like huge multi-layered, score and it's not like a, a score you know i didn't write any of it down beforehand mm. um but i ended up with all these synth noises and i i uh specifically didn't did not want it to sound like you know like stranger things like <laughs> 80s like synth yeah. soundtrack which you know is, is cool and i, I yeah. love it but right um i i wanted it to be like on a synth but not to not for people to hear it and be like oh yeah that's a that's a synth like i wanted to do something that would just kind of create a general feeling of like nervousness throughout mm. the entire thing mm. and um i felt like i i that that i'm very proud of that project um i think you can watch the film on on vimeo it's called wake um and i actually played bass uh for the credits music mm. i i got the idea i was reading um who was it i was reading an interview with the guy who did the score for um the, the Amazon Prime show, uh, The Man in the High Castle, hmm. um, which is a really, really interesting show. Um, and <laughs> he um, he was like, yeah, I haven't played cello since middle school, but I like played all the cello tracks on the score hmm. to kind of like, it kind of makes you feel like uneasy because it's like almost what a cello is supposed to sound like, but not very good. Hmm. Um, and so I had this like old like forty dollar electric bass that I bought in like twenty thirteen lying around, and I uh, just took it out and I played this like really simple like three note melody over and over again over like a synth sequence, um, and then I like layered like an octave track above it and below it and like put some effects on it and it sounded like super creepy. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> um, and I, the other one I was supposed to do was a short musical, and I was doing that with uh, Anna Young. Oh, cool. And, okay. Yeah, we we finished, like, two of the three songs, I think, um, and then, unfortunately, the project was canceled because of the oh. virus. Is that something you guys are planning on working on in the future? 
Um, I, I don't think so. It was a senior thesis film. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I think for now it's just kind of indefinitely on hold. Gotcha. Okay. So for someone that hasn't had a lot of experience writing for film, what would you recommend to them to listen to, to work on, or to think about when they're starting to write their own film track? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I have a lot of experience either, so I might not be the best person to ask, but um, right. I, I think it's really just about creating an atmosphere, and you can do that in a number of different ways. You know, um, just it, like whether you want to approach it as like an orchestral store, score or like a self-recorded, self-produced score or a synth score, whatever, whatever you want to like do for that. And I'm talking about short films too. I, I know that the process for TV shows and movies is a lot different. Um, and I, I, that's the reason I would want to go to grad school for mm. film scoring is to learn about the actual ways <laughs> that people do that. Okay. Um, cause I'm by no means an expert, but it, it's really just about creating an atmosphere. Um, and I think if you understand the ways that music evokes emotions, mm. which is completely separate from like anything else in my mind, you know, like you can understand that and not even be a musician. Right. Um, and you can be a musician and not understand that. Right. Um, and so I, I think if you understand that, then you have a pretty solid basis for that. Because if you think about all the movies you you've watched, you know, and you can pull them up like and watch them with the music and then watch them muted and there's just such a big difference like it's not it doesn't have the same impact and so i think understanding what kinds of musical devices facilitate uh, those like emotions is a really good place to start in terms of understanding how to do it right so before we jump into the next segment do you want to explain some of your musical tastes yeah, um, I really love almost anything. Um, <laughs> I think I have music that I listen to. Well, no, you know what? I, I used to feel like that there was music that is like uh, interesting music, musically, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I used to feel like there was like this category of music that I would listen to for musical enrichment and to give me ideas and make me a better player and then this category of music that i listen to for enjoyment and i've kind of realized that there's no distinction um like i i get just as much interest out of uh like folk music as i do out of like whatever <laughs> like complicated music you want to you want to throw out there um and you know honestly i i don't listen to a lot of super complex music i listen to a lot of music that has just a groove and something i can kind of get into um and i listen to a lot of music for its uh emotional content you know which generally to me the music that uh has the strongest emotional content is music more oriented towards like folky uh stripped down like vocal music you know right so dan we're gonna take a little break and we will be right back with more danielle
And we are back with Dan's playlist, and the first song on Dan's playlist is Over There by Terrence Blanchard, and I don't think I can recall any time I haven't heard Dan play this in rehearsal before. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I have I have heard a few rehearsals where I haven't heard him play this. Um, uh, but I, I feel like I do know this because of you, and you had introduced this to me at one point. Um, but when was the first time you heard of Terrence Blanchard? Um, you know, I, I mean, as a trumpet player, I think he's, he's pretty well known in the trumpet community, um, as well as the jazz community. And also he's a, he does film scores. Um, that's Hmm. like one of his main things. Um, but yeah, so actually, you know what? I remember where I heard this tune. Do you remember, um, Christian Chazanek, the bass player, grad student? Might have been when you were a senior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he introduced this to me. Me and him and uh, Jamie Powell were coming back from this. Mm. We got hired to play this um, this person's senior thesis film mm. in uh, the community music center downtown. Okay. And we, we were there for like eight hours. <laughs> And like we played, we played, uh, we had to play the Charleston for like eight hours, basically. Oh my God. And it was, you know, it was exhausting. I mean, it was fun, but it was exhausting. And we had to be all dressed up because it was a film and we were on screen. Yeah. Um, and so on the way back, uh, Christian put on this tune and we were like, what is this tune? It's, it's beautiful. Um, and he told us, and you know, that was the first time I heard of it. And I ended up playing it on my sophomore recital. Um. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was my sophomore recital, um, yeah. and I did it with two vocalists who sang like wordless vocal parts. Um, hmm. And uh, I, I think Brian was playing sax on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And so I've just always loved this tune, and this tune kind of showed me like how this was kind of the first time I realized that I was into like all this complicated music at that point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is just like really simple and really pretty. And maybe that's what, (laughs) what music is about, you know? I remember walking from Hayden's recital because Hayden's recital was right before or right after, right. I mean like right before yours, which was crazy. And it was awesome that you guys had paired it up that way. And, (laughs) or maybe, maybe it was a coincidence that it happened that way. Um, but I remember the last tune that you played was this song and you, I think you used, you used light color and you turned off the lights, I think. And I think that was sort of a really cool, ambionic sort of feeling to the, the song in a way. I think I, I enjoyed that in a way. Yeah. Um, why did you feel like you wanted to do that to sort of present the song in that way? Um, I think it's a very meditative song to me, mm. um, very like calming, and I think that the lights kind of enhance that for me. I feel like for me, visuals are like another distraction in some cases. Yeah, you know. Okay. Um, and so I think having just like darkness with like a little bit of colored light was it just really was like the vibe I was going for. Um, and I got a lot of positive feedback about that afterwards. Yeah. And I think I stole that from you when I did Soldier's Tale, because I had that oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That yeah, was cool. yeah. 
Um, but without any further ado, here is Terrence Plashard over there. So what's the equation that makes this such a good song? You know, I'm not sure. I, I think it has a lot of like build. I think it starts off with like one layer, you know, in once the solo section starts, it's just piano and then trumpet and then bass comes in and then drums and then like the synth texture um, until it's just like this really, it has a very steady build from like nothing to like really like screaming loud. Right. And that's like that's very like exciting for me like that evokes a lot of emotion you know right right what do you like about his writing um you know he just he writes he and he's got a lot of stuff on that record that's that's a little bit more out um right it's like a lot freer um but this tune is just it's very simple you know and that and I think being able to do something that's I so I'm I'm trying to find the <laughs> the right words. It, it, um, right, okay. I think being able to convey an emotion mm. in the most simple way possible is something that's interesting to me. Right. Um, and I, I think it really comes from just writing like very authentic melodies. You know, like just write what sounds good to you and it doesn't have to be much more complicated than that right what does over there mean to you well so this song is actually about hurricane katrina okay Um, okay yeah so um it's about new orleans um Mm. and because this came out in 2005 oh okay okay yeah so so that's the story behind the song (laughs) okay um, well, the next song you gave us is uh, "Wasteland Baby" by Hozier. If I, ho- I hope I said that right, is that is that right, Hozier? People people pronounce different. I say Hozier, but it, it really depends on <laughs> who, who you're talking to. Um, who is Hozier? So he's an Irish. Um, I don't know if I'd call him folk, like folk R and B kind of. Depends on which record you're listening to, honestly. Okay. okay. Um, and. He's just always been one of my favorite artists since his first album came out um, mm. in 2014. Right. Um, he like he's just really his music has been with me for a long time, um, and so it just is special to me, you know. Okay. 
did anyone introduce him to you or did you find it on your own no i, I found it on my own actually because i think he, he put out that hit um take me to church hmm. um okay and that was like his you know like one hit um, <laughs> and i kind of dug deeper into his music after that i was like wow like that's a good song but like the rest of his music is really amazing <laughs> yeah and kind of weird <laughs> in, in the best way possible okay well without further ado here is wasteland baby by hosier or hosier like the unique sound that he has i I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not his own vibrato no no that's definitely an effect um okay bigger in the tune it, the effect gets cut out um but yeah so i this album is a lot different than his first one i, I like both of them and i was kind of struggling with which one to <laughs> right with, with what uh you can't talk which one to send you um okay his first one is a lot more stripped down um it's a lot darker mm. like the lyrical content yeah um, it, it, it's just very um yeah I, I don't know it's like it's a lot rougher i think mm. um okay. not not in a bad way at all but right and then this one's a lot more produced okay um which i think i, I you know i think it really just depends on what you want to listen to i think they're both really great albums i don't know if i would put one above the other right right um yeah and the lyrics start out with all the fear and the fire of the end of the world happens each time a boy falls in love with a girl happens grace happens sweet happily i'm unfazed here too what does that mean to you do you have any sort of connection with that at all i'm not sure to be honest um this is a song where i haven't really dug too deep into the lyrical content i think um you know, for me, like, it's, it, it, a lot of his music has kind of a apocalyptic vibe. It's mm-hmm. like, like, a lot of it is about, like, it, a lot of it's very surreal. A lot of it's very, like, morbid. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, the musical content it, is beautiful, and then the lyrical content is, like, mildly, uh, you know, it, it's, like, a little morbid. Um, right. A lot of tunes about death and stuff. Um and so I kind of like that juxtaposition, um, where like if I want to, I can really just sit out and listen to like some pretty music. And if I want to, I can really dig deep into the lyrics and right. be like, oh wow, that's kind of <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> do you do you find that um, he's coping with this okay, or do you think he's sort of finding a way to sort of like balance how he's feeling? Are you talking about the song, or are you talking about the the virus and everything? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the song. Um, I guess yeah, the virus, yeah, too. You know, I, I, it feels like he's kind of just uh, 
disassociating from whatever is going on and right. using that to deal with it. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a sad song right. or anything. Right. It feels like very calm and um, and like content almost. Okay. Well, the the next song that you have up is "I Can't." by Braxton Cook and one of the memories that we shared together was that we got to do a concert with him at Ithaca mm-hmm. College and uh, I need to ask you this what was the better experience you playing and writing an, a song for you and him for opening the concert or having your own personal lesson with him huh. man um, I gotta say that as great as that lesson was the concert was definitely better. a better experience um okay. that was one of the best experiences I've, I've ever had um being able to to play uh like uh yeah I, I don't know just being able to play my own my original tune with him and have him really enjoy it when he's been like one of my biggest musical influences right over the past few years and um yeah, I, I don't know. There's nothing that really like compares to that. Okay. <laughs> that, that was really amazing. Okay. Um, but the lesson was awesome too, you know. And and the lesson was a lot different. Um, he's very much like a modern jazz artist and an R&B artist, but we uh, we played bebop for an hour and a half. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. How cool was that? That that was awesome. Yeah. yeah and and it felt it felt really good <laughs> to be able to. Um, have that experience and, and I felt really good that um, you know o- over the summer I actually met up with Mike uh, just to hang out I was here to play a show in right. Portland um, and we just hung out and I was like man you should really get Braxton Cook here if you can and he was like oh I'll try my best and uh, he did <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome that must have been the best Christmas present oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely um, when was the first time you heard Braxton Cook? Um, you know who introduced him to me actually was um, Evan Schreiber. No way, really? Yeah, um, we were like, he had been bugging me for a while. He he was like, oh yeah, like you gotta listen to this artist, like he's he's killing, like you'll love him. And I was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to it. And, <laughs> and we were playing um, frisbee out on the quad one afternoon and he just like put it all on the speaker what is this like this is awesome he was like i told you um and so i got really into it that summer um and here without any further ado here is i can't with braxton cook This feeling so real 
foolproof and tested My heart's infected by you All I want is Your sweet love to love me all the more Cause I can't go on now Without you by my side I can't go one day from wanting your body next to mine I can't go on now, now without you by my side mm. I feel like I can just listen to his voice for hours. Oh, he... I was going to say, um, oh yeah, like, <laughs> me too. That he's, I think in a lot of my tune writing too, he's got like, the voice that I want to hear singing my tunes. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and that's why I enjoy working with Grace so much, honestly, because she's, um, someone who has also that kind of voice and, um, it's taken me a while to work with someone who, who I feel like is like, it like really just like embodies that kind of music. Yeah. What do you like about his tune writing? Um, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's, he finds a good mix of like simple and complex. Mm. Um, and he's got like a really seamless transition between like a lot of different, a lot of like wildly different harmonies, mm. um, which I, I think is super cool. And I've, um, it's taken me a while to kind of figure out how to do that and, and not have it, uh, sound <laughs> like obnoxious and overly complex. Right. Yeah. Like I mentioned, you were able to work with him. And even you were also, as you closed out the concert with him too, when you played um, that last tune, and I, I'm, I'm sort of struggling to remember, what was the name of the last tune that you were Oh yeah, um, Can You Hold Me. That's um, right. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have like a big featured part on that, I just arranged it. Right, right. And I remember the funniest thing, I remember him looking at you and being like, hey, that's the guitar part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, and I was like, it is the guitar. It was, that was so cool. Um, <laughs> what did you sort of take away from him being at that school? Um, you know, honestly, my biggest takeaway was, like, um, how important it is to know the basics of jazz. <laughs> mm. uh, even if what you are really interested in is is like the new stuff because honestly like i tried for a while to get away from playing bebop because i was into new stuff right and i felt like that actually impeded my ability to play new stuff because so much of the language comes from bebop Mm, and so like recently all all my practice has been like standards um okay and i feel like that's really like something uh like a hole that i've needed to fill in um and this quarantine has kind of given me the time to do it and i've really just been like digging into the language and transcribing and everything okay um i also mentioned that his biggest inspiration when writing i believe is his wife i think he writes tunes that sort of inspire his of love of relationship especially with you know the one he wants to spend the rest of his life with what do you sort of take away from that? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I haven't heard him talk about 
that. Um, okay. And um, I think, you know, I think I think you can have a lot of different inspirations for tune ragging. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of mine definitely comes from you know the people I love, um, but I think a lot of it also just comes from like inner feelings that I'm not always like, you know, like I might not ever even talk about, but just like reactions to things and I, I tend to write tunes hmm. when I'm feeling a lot of emotions and then like edit them afterwards <laughs> you know yeah because um, I get all that like I just get all of that out and then afterwards I go back and I'm like all right well this is good this isn't very good right okay um, well the next song you gave us is uh, six summers by Anderson Peak uh, sorry pack and um, what a a right turn from what we just came from uh (laughs) who is anderson peck um so anderson peck is a drummer um and hip-hop artist r&b artist um kind of both um and rapper you know he sings and and he raps um and he plays most of his own drum tracks um he was like a studio i think he was like he was like a weed farmer for a little bit and then he was a studio drummer um and then he kind of uh he he kind of was like mentored by um dr dre mm, and okay um got big that way you know he was featured on a couple of things early on and then started developing his solo stuff yeah a, a big a big hit tiny desk concert um and he yeah and, and you know his music is is just really cool it's very groovy um it's not not too complex and it's um yeah i I don't know it just feels really good to listen to um and you know it's also very political um as i'm sure you gathered right right Um, yeah definitely and that's cool to me because you know jazz and r&b and you know all all, like black american music is very political um Mm, yeah I, well, you know, I wouldn't say all, but like that's a very common theme. Sure, definitely. Because you know, you like me and you might have the luxury to stay out of politics, but a lot of people don't. Um, yeah. You know, and I think jazz music, you know, like Charles Mingus and and everyone, like that music is very political, mm. but we don't immediately associate it with that because it's so far removed from the politics of today yeah um whereas when you hear this you're like whoa like this is <laughs> this is immediately like aggressive and in your face um right and i i think it's entirely meant to be that way and i don't know if you've listened through like after the the feel change um but there's some other wild lyrics in that part like yeah. ones that like aren't as in your face but you're afterwards you're like whoa like that that's intense that that makes me think about whatever this is um and i think when we had roxy Koss here you know she talked about that um yeah where just like one of her tunes um that ryan arranged um mr president mm, was yeah just about like you know i think there's this temptation to say like oh, well, like, don't get into political discussions. Like, you don't want to alienate people. Um, And, you know, especially, there's also this tendency to say, like, both sides are are equal, which I think was was true at one point, and I don't think is a true statement now. Um, 
and I think that a lot of music these days really like aggressively expresses people's feelings about the current administration and I think that that's kind of like a release for people who are listening to the music because um, they're like oh you know like I'm feeling angry about this too and, and this is validating that what what sort of characteristics sort of define his music um, you know it really depends on the tune uh, you know a lot of the music is like this album in particular Oxnard Hmm. Um, so his, his first album, Venice, and his second album, Malibu, are definitely more like R&B, more singing, like almost no rapping from him on sure. it. Um, and then Oxnard and Ventura, his uh, third and fourth albums, are kind of like both related. Like they were both recorded at the same time. Right. Um, and then released like separately. But Ventura is kind of the more... Uh, mellow side of that coin and Oxnard which this tune was off of is kind of the more like hard hitting aggressive side of that coin um, and I think both you know I, I listen to both depending on what move I'm in right um, okay. like this one is a lot more high energy whereas Venture is a lot more chill um, yeah okay and yeah <laughs> so without further ado here is Six Summers by Anderson Pock. And I hope that bitch is buck wild I hope she sit mascal I hope she kiss senoritas and black girls I hope her mama's El South I hope her papa stick around Yeah Take chains off, take rings off, bracelets and things, big aches and pains, my jack rang off, with clickbait, truth is too raw, it's a fish plate, fade off, the cool day, 150 of us on a big stage, how long it took a nigga just to get paid, and now I think I'm about to buy a bit late, I'm in the leg with the shaker and bongo, I heard you take it without it was comfort, trimming the green with the blade and the long mow, Bitch, don't spill my sake You gon' make me kick you out this pop, me. You gon' have to kick it in the lobby Damn, what don't somebody stop me? I'm too sloppy mm. So, Dan, uh, when you listen to something like this, what do you want to figure out what's happening and then add it to your own musicianship? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, and like I was saying earlier about, like, how now for me there's not really a difference between music I'm musically interested in and music that I enjoy like personally Mm -hmm. um like this is a great example that you know like um a bit into the song it kind of completely changes the feel um and there's like these (laughs) like really there's this like it's it's smooth but it's like a really like harmonically out bass line and then he puts like these really cool chords over it and I like immediately like went and transcribed those changes when I heard it for mm, the first time. Right. Because I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, these are insane lyrics to the utmost degree. You, you, he starts with, Trump's got a love child, and I hope that bitch is buck wild. I hope she sip mezcal. I hope she kiss senoritas and black owls. I hope her mama sounds el salve. I hope her mama stick around. Yeah. What 
what's your working sort of take away from this? I know we talked about politicism in the beginning of this, but do you have any other ideas about what that may mean? Um, yeah, you know, well, I, I think it means a lot more than like just being angry about Trump. You know, I, I think like Trump's got a love child refers to kind of the undercurrent of anger that the current administration is kind of stoked and like the way that the negative way that he's spoken about Hispanic people. Right. Um, and I, I think this is about that, you know, it's kind of saying like, man, I hope this all comes to bite Trump in the ass at some point. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like this song was like, like I said, like it was like a really cool experience for me to listen to it for the first time. I was like, I was like, this is what I've been feeling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> Who introduced this to you? Um, well, so I, I knew about Anderson Pock from uh, Malibu, which my friend um, my friend Evan, um, who I, I don't think you'd know, Evan Tommaso, um, okay. from my freshman year, introduced him to me. Um, and so I was already into him when this album came out, because this mm. came out very recently. Right. Okay. Well, uh, the last song on Dan's playlist is Ornithology by Joshua Redman and Brad Meldow. The original uh, tune is written by Charlie Parker, and Ornithology is related through the nickname Bird, but it's a sort of a study of birds, which makes it sort of circle back to Charlie Parker. Uh, so who are Joshua Redman and Brad Meldow? Uh, Joshua Redman's a saxophonist, um, and Brad Meldow's a pianist, okay. um, and they both do some really cool stuff. Um, Joshua Redman's got um, my favorite album of his is called um, oh, what's it called? I think it's called Elastic or, or Boogie Elastic or something. Right. Um, uh, and he's got some really out <laughs> out stuff on there, um, but it all grooves really hard. And Brad Meldow is a classically trained pianist um he's done a, a lot of like covers of radiohead um and he's also just played with a lot of like really big names like he's one of the most technically proficient pianists jazz pianist i've ever heard mm. um and he just does really some absolutely wild stuff mm. uh when he's improvising right so like i said this is a charlie parker tune but uh what do you like about this specific version um this version is super out. It, it's like really, um, but it's not too, you know, it's not too out for me to enjoy. Like right. they're still like swinging really hard the whole time. Yeah. Um, and they go to some weird, really weird places, but they always bring it back and it's really satisfying to mm. hear that. Um, and it's also really cool to hear w what places they go to. Cause a lot of times it's, it's stuff that I like changes in feel or key or whatever it is that I would never, think to do myself right and so then i'm like oh i'm gonna try that when i'm just improvising freely or i'm gonna try that over a standard you know right. just by myself okay. um, and they just interact with each other really well like they really um are listening right. to what the other one is playing for sure okay well without further ado here is dan's last tune ornithology as played by joshua redman and brad meldow Thank you. 
So when you prepare something like this, uh, do you listen? How many versions of different? Um, how many versions of ornithology have to, do you have to listen to to sort of feel like you can understand the groove? Um, I feel like you know I'll, I'll listen to. I'm probably not as <laughs> as good about this as I should be. Um, I'll usually listen to like two or three different versions. Um, and yeah, and, and um. If I don't find one I like, I like I'll keep going. Um, and sometimes right. I find one I just really click with the first time, and I can't get that version out of my head. And listening to other versions doesn't do anything for me, <laughs> you know. Um, and this tune is one where I've listened to a bunch of different versions, but right, yeah. Well, Dan, you have uh, finished uh, the playlist, and I'm so glad that you were able to share it with us today. Um, so thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Um, so we're going to take another break, but when we come back, I'm going to test Dan on his knowledge of jazz heads and see how he does. Um, so don't go away. Uh, we'll be right back with more Dan Yap. And we're back with uh, Dan Yap. And Dan, we're going to test your skills of audiation, of hearing different jazz heads. So let's dive right in. Here is number one. Do you have what? Do you have? It's uh, uh, all blues. That is absolutely correct. I'll give you two extra points. I knew point. I knew that intro. <laughs> do you have uh, two? I'll give you two extra points if you can tell me the artist and the name of the album. Um, that's a uh, Miles. That's it's Miles, but um, it's kind of blue, right? Yeah. Yep, that's yeah, absolutely okay. right. That's correct. All right, moving on to number two. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Written by... Thelonious Monk, the man um, himself. <laughs> do you have um, maybe a, a album you think this is maybe from? Man, I don't know Monk albums very well. Um, is it from... I'm not sure. Okay. This is from Alone in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good album. Here we go. Moving right along. That is absolutely correct. And you said Billy's Bounce. Who uh, is the artist? Bird, right? Bird, yep. Do you know is, the that, name of the... is that Bird and Dizzy, or is it another trumpet player? Um, let me find out. Uh, Miles Davis. Oh, okay. Miles Davis, yeah. Do you have Do you have an idea what maybe the album's called? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know uh, Bird albums very well. Okay. Well, this one is called New Sounds in Modern Music. 
here is the next one. heard it before okay i don't think i can name it though do you have an idea of who the artist may be sounds like a horace silver tune hmm it is it's uh john coltrane oh okay john wow. coltrane yeah. i feel bad for not <laughs> and this Although, is honestly i gotta say I, I i don't know coltrane's music very well i i really haven't okay okay into, I, I i'm honestly not the biggest fan of his sound which i know is like a really hot take (laughs) (laughs) um this is equinox ah okay yeah okay cool and moving right along here is number five (laughs) sand dew written by clifford brown that's right and uh, he recorded this on so many different albums. Um, and I'll let you know, yeah. this one is uh, called Study in Brown, and it features yeah, Max, yeah, yes. Max Roach and Clifford yeah. Brown. All right, yeah. the final, and number six for the absolute win. Here we go, Dan Yap. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. That is correct. I thought I'd play a little prank at you there at the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, written by the only Ben Morris. Um, and how much we love to make fun of that tune. That was just outrageous. Well, Dan, thank you for doing the show. I really appreciate your company and your time. And um, is there anything yeah, you want to share with you? Is there anything you want to share with our audience before we get going? No, I think I uh, said everything that was on my mind. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. I'll see you around and hope to talk to you soon. And uh, because you got all those questions right, I do owe you a beer. So hopefully <laughs> see you soon. Cool. Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. yeah. See you later. Good afternoon. I am your host, Sean Rincunis, and welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. Here is a musical quote for today. Nothing is out of question for me. I'm always thinking about creating. My future starts when I wake up in the morning and see the light. Then, I'm grateful. Miles Davis
And I think that's a great segue into introducing my guest for today. My guest today is someone who I've known for four years. He is always working. He is always finding new recordings and new artists, and he is ultimately passionate about making great music. Dan Yap is a trumpet and keyboard player from Stowe, Massachusetts. He graduated from Ithaca College with a jazz studies degree in May 2020 and has a diverse array of musical interests. In the past few years, he's been involved with many recording projects, on-campus ensembles, bands such as Butter, Quail, and Fall Creek Brass Band, solo and duo projects, original composition, piano accompanying, and scoring student films, in addition to giving three recitals with as many collaborators in his time as an IC student. He recently released a single, Someday, co-composed with collaborator Grace Asuncion, which was self-produced and can now be found on Bandcamp and will be on all streaming platforms and services in the near future. He now lives in Ithaca, New York, and plans to take off a year of school and attend a film scoring master's program in the fall of 2021.